This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Dramatic pause. A dramatic pause says something without saying anything at all. Dramatic pause is a go-to for podcasters, presidents, and radio voiceovers. It makes you look really smart, even if you're not. Feet deserve a go-to like that. Like Hey Do Choose. Light, comfy, good to go to. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. And welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is Yana Shanaez and Kevin DeVries returning. He is the host of a great podcast called the EPL Roundtable. He also happens to be a huge supporter of Tottenham Hotspur. He's on to help us with our preview of the upcoming match on Wednesday for Fulham against Tottenham Hotspur. First of all, before we go any further, I want to welcome Giannis back to the show. Giannis, how are you doing, my friend? I'm good, sir. I'm um, recovering from the Southampton uh, zero zero, and uh, looking okay. forward to the game against Spurs. This, is, this should be a good matchup. But we've got four draws on the spin. Uh, it'd be nice to to get a win, and what better place than to go away to our North London friends? <laughs> well, it should be interesting. Will it be counterattack versus counterattack? We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the strategy here because it'll be interesting to see what Mourinho is going to do. I have a feeling I know what Mourinho is going to do. I think Kevin will help us with that. Kevin, welcome yeah. back to the show. We did this, I, I want to say, two seasons ago. But mm. now, as you're seeing, we are a live show, a live video, and it'll be yeah. podcast as well. Thank you for joining Giannis and me on this preview show. Yeah, absolutely. Delighted to be back on. Uh, tweeted you when you came back up. Was excited to get to talk to you again, both on uh, my show and yours. And I, my only apology is that I don't have a cool backdrop 
of a bookshelf, <laughs> which seems to be what most professionals are supposed to do these days. Very good there, my friend. And listen, please tell everyone how that they can listen to the EPL Roundtable. I've been on the EPL Roundtable. I said to you off air that I, I thought it was horrible in the last episode. You told me it was fine. But you just tell bad. everyone how, how they can listen to the show. Yeah, you can find us on Twitter at EPL Roundtable. You can also basically go to any of the podcasting things, iTunes, Spotify, probably the two most predominant at the moment, and just type in EPL Roundtable. And also when you search that, you also see some of our championship episodes, which uh, maybe as Fulham fans you want to ignore exists. Uh, <laughs> but if you're still interested in what's going on down there, uh, you can find that on that same EPL Roundtable uh, RSS feed. Okay, excellent. I would highly recommend it. And the championship roundtable is very good besides the host, Jake. I'm just kidding, Jake. Don't, don't, don't get mad at me. <laughs> yeah, we have to resolve that beef someday. Or we don't, and it'll just be eternal but, fuel for but all of the podcasting fire. Keep it going with me and Jake. We'll just keep it going. That's a little inside <laughs> joke there. All right, Kevin, let's get into getting your thoughts on Spurs yeah. this season so far. And then I want to talk to you after that. We'll lead up, us talk about the match last night. So let's talk about, first of all, just the season so far for Spurs. Yeah, it's certainly been an adventure thus far. Uh, and we kind of knew it would be basically the second the transfer window opened and we started making signings. We ended up with seven of them, which is uh, hasn't happened since Bale left. And then hilariously, the next time it happened was with Bale returning. Um, maybe not getting the impact that we would have hoped from the majority of them in the Premier League. Um, we thought Vinicius was going to be a huge deal, especially in these recent matches where we've conceded late goals. You'd think you'd bring on an extra striker, but he either hasn't been named in the squad or hasn't been uh, called onto the pitch. Um, you have Gareth Bale, obviously hasn't really done much in the Premier League either. Did get us a crucial headed goal uh, to get us a win. But I, I had said in the preseason that I thought all that Bale needs to do this year is change five results positive. So losses to draws or draws to wins. He's done it once, hasn't really had a chance to do it since. So that's that's a little concerning, but Hoiberg immediately staple into the 11 has solved our defensive midfield issue. He's so, so good. And I I think uh, what's really interesting to me is that it's seemingly surprising Southampton fans who thought that they were just (laughs) fine without him and they've been doing well. So I I can see why they thought that, but I'm just very curious tactically. And obviously Hassan Hudel is one of the better managers in the Premier League, but what about his system made Hoiberg less important while making two players that you could argue are not as talented better for them, but then Hoybier also step into our side and drive us up the table. It's a very interesting situation there. Yeah. Uh, Regulon is inconsistent. His talent level is just absurd, and he might be gone in a year anyway, so don't really need to talk too much about that. But with all of these signings, we knew it might take a little while for us to get going, and then that just kind of didn't happen. We started pretty quickly. Obviously, as everybody knows, we were briefly in the title race, uh, and then as soon as everybody noticed, it stopped being the case. Um, Jose Mourinho's tactics, I think we praised a lot in the beginning of the season because he was doing a lot of things that Pochettino never did, which was change the tactics, change the personnel, adjust in match to what's happening, being yeah. a little quicker on the trigger with substitutions. Um, and then it just seems like he stopped doing it in the last month. We we had this terror run of fixtures starting, I think it was the week before December, um, right after Thanksgiving here in the States where we had City, Chelsea, Arsenal, Palace, Liverpool, Leicester, Wolves. And from those seven matches, I was like, as long as we get 12 points, we'll still be in the title race. And I think we ended up with nine. The two wins, three draws. Yeah. So that's that just that just wasn't enough to keep us in anywhere near that, that title race. Although a win right now, because everyone has to draw right now, would drag us all the way up to second. Although I think United and Villa still have their... Uh, matches in hand from that first week of the season. Um, but yeah, on the whole, 
the whole, it's been positive. If you're just like wanting to say we're almost at the halfway point of the season, what was the first half like? Tottenham being in touching distance of the top four and arguably still in touching distance of, of the title race, depending on Liverpool's future results, right. I think is is something that Tottenham fans maybe not would have expected at the start of the season, but would be certainly pleased to see. The way it's happened has been disappointing. The last four matches, almost exact copy, carbon copies of each other, with, with maybe the exception of Leicester, where we were just the worst team. But um, the Palace match, the Liverpool match, and now the Wolves match, all of them with a one-goal lead, all of them sitting back once we had that lead to protect all of them conceding in the 80th minute or later, then suddenly turning it on, but then it being too little too late. It's a a really irritating script that's starting to develop. But on the season, pretty good. If we get more from Bale, if Delhi gets back or we sell him and we bring in Sabitzer, there there are ways that we like re-coalesce as a side and push ourselves up further. And it certainly seems like nobody else is going to really stake a claim on on driving up the table at the moment. It seems like everybody's just getting draws. Um, so, so the opportunities are still there. Um, and, and if we can get some of those pieces clicking together, if Ndombele and Lacelso can play together in front of Hoybier, that would be huge for us. And Ndombele is really finally rounding into form, uh, something that I'm sure as Fulham fans you'll recognize, a really talented central midfielder all of a sudden being like, oh, I'll play to my ability level. <laughs> like, oh, that's very nice. I would have liked it if you'd done that sooner, but now it works as good as uh, any other time. But on the whole, positive, but certainly with a sour taste in the mouth after the last month or so. Okay, very good. And right back to you, because I want to ask you this, because it's something that we talk about even with Fulham, killing off matches. Mm-hmm. What seems to be happening when you go up 1-0? Is it coming from Mourinho or is it the players or a combination of both? Well, it's hilarious because if you look at the track record, it's obviously Mourinho. Uh, but after the last two matches, he's come out and said that he told the players to not do what we did, which was sit back and absorb pressure. But Tottenham historically don't sit back and absorb pressure. Mourinho always does. And Mourinho's like, it's not me, it's them. And you're like, I don't know how much I buy that. But um, yeah, it's certainly the case that we keep withdrawing into our shell. Um, I've I've long posited this season that the reason why we're doing it and breaking on the counterattack is that Mourinho genuinely thinks that Kane's son and one other player can be all of our attacking players and everybody else can sit back. And in this era where everybody's trying to do this high gigan pressing stuff that you're seeing it yeah. at Liverpool and at City, you're also seeing correlating injuries because playing at that high intensity all of the time is going to lead to soft tissue injuries. So I think Mourinho's thought is if you're thinking all of the time and you're repositioning all of the time within a limited space of the pitch, you're going to decrease the amount of injuries while also congesting everything for the attacking team. So it's kind of like a two for one, right. but with VAR, with our susceptibility from set pieces, with our likeliness of conceding free kicks around the penalty area, it's why we keep conceding on all of these set pieces. As we withdraw, they can push forward. They either get to play in space and we let them run. We step up to them and likely commit a foul or worse if it's in the box. Or we try to block everything, which we're like top five in blocks in the Premier League this season, which is not usually something you see from a side in the top five, top six. Uh, and then it goes behind for a corner. And then it's another set piece that we have we have difficulty defending from. So this, this uh, if you have one lead, you're safe thing. I don't think exists in the VAR era anymore because at okay, any time anything can be called against you. And tactically, I don't think it plays to our strengths where we have a lot of over-aggressive error-prone defenders where they're typically good. As long as they've covered behind them, they seem to play pretty well. But... Aurier keeps giving up fouls on the right. Last week, it was Davis on the left after we removed Regalon, who was kind of protecting him. Well, Regalon's not really a defensive presence, but it wouldn't have been Davis in that situation. Even Toby can be rash in the penalty area. Dyer is obviously just 
a crow magnon there wearing a white shirt. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think the tactics are, are working for us at the moment. Whether that's a mentality thing, a personnel thing, uh, that that could all be debated, but it certainly isn't working. And if if we're going to continue to praise Mourinho as a tactical mastermind in the game, he probably needs to do some some shifts to to try to get the best out of our side and to prevent the same situation from happening, which I mentioned, three of the last four results, almost the exact same way. Very interesting stuff. I'm glad that you brought up having just that one goal lead. And again, Fulham have dealt with this as well when you let VAR and the officials be a part of the match. If you score more than one goal, mm-hmm. get a bigger lead, then that becomes a moot point. And I, and yeah. something that we've talked about. Giannis, over to you. I want to get your thoughts on Spurs and also what Kevin has shared. And feel free to ask Kevin a question about Spurs if you'd like. Well, I had a, a lot of what Kevin said, and he was right. The comments made by Mourinho in the last couple of games blaming the players. I thought that was really rich. Um, <laughs> the, the problem is it's, it's a culture that Mourinho has built up about parking the bus. So they've taken the lead and Dombele scored a nice early goal and Wolves really don't have right now, uh, with Jimenez injured, obviously Treori hasn't scored since 1750. Uh, you've got really a lack of firepower up front. You, nobody knows where they're going to score. That 17-year-old that they spent like $40 million on. Oh, good God. He's, oh, it's horrendous. She's got Talkie United. Incredible um, diving from him yesterday, uh, it must be said. Was shocked that those weren't penalties, by the way. Yes. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's, we should, um, we should uh, audition him for the Olympics at uh, nine <laughs> meters springboard. But they just, you know, I, 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 if I'm a player and I go back in the change room and, and then afterwards and I read that, well, I'm going to blame the players because I told them to attack. I'd be like, piss off. This is the culture you created in this particular club. Don't turn around. If, if the players have been programmed that if they get an early lead or get a lead to whatever, you go part of the bus, whatever it is, you can't now turn around to them and say, well, it's their fault because, because I told them to attack. Mm. You know, it, I can understand if you've, made a, if you've um, made a coaching point to a player and they've not followed direction, but when the whole team doesn't do it, right. Are you telling me that every single player is not listening? Or is it you telling me that you didn't say a word? Or are you maybe telling us that you they've tuned you out? Mm. Whichever way you do, you don't blame the players collectively like in, that in the media. I agree with Giannis on that. I mean, I thought it was a, I thought there was a, a little bit of a low ball. I mean, and it's it's and Tottenham are, um Tottenham really are they're a Jekyll and Hyde side. I mean, mm. they on their day they're absolutely brilliant. Uh, Son and Kane are as good as a, a partnership, yep. attacking partnership than anywhere in the world, I think. Um, but you look at, um, you know, the spat between Ndombele and, and Mourinho way back when, and then Aurier mm-hmm. gives out the penalty last weekend, which was just shocking. And that's the one where you come and go, you moron, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Or Davis he, on the other side. But no, there's, he's got this thing about selective, I'm going to pick on, it was Trippier, it was Danny Rose, it's Ndombele, it's just, you know, and yet you've got Aurier who... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, in, in the Amazon documentary, literally the first thing Mourinho said to Aurier at the club was that he terrifies him. <laughs> yeah. he's Because he's in, the, in, in the era of VAR, like he could, he could cover the entire flank for an entire match, negate their attacking player the entire time while also providing creativity for us, and then give it all away with a penalty in like the 86th minute for no reason. Yeah. It's it, equal things can happen. Brain thoughts. Frank Bowles. Mm-hmm. Of course, I wanted to ask you though, and I, I, um, I watched the, the, the game yesterday, and I watched the game against Stoke in the in the, in the Carabao yeah. Boo Moo, whatever it is, <laughs> and um, that and talking of which, the picking on Deli Alley. Mm, yeah. 
Now, I was critical of Deli Ali in that game because I've, se- I've seen more dives at a swimming pool. Yep. But nonetheless, um, he blamed him for the lead-up of the goal, the equalising goal. And it's again, I thought that was a yeah. bad example. He's going to target Ali. Ali's clearly lost his confidence. But I want to go back to Gareth Bale. Mm. You know, as a as a Tottenham supporter, has this has this been a worthwhile loan, or has this really not worked out? I mean, it's fairly early days, but in mm. terms of where the sort the they're paying him a lot of money, and he's injured again, right? He's done his calf again, or something like that. Mm. Uh, he's he's always carrying something. He's he's an old and quick twitchy athlete. It's it's just going to be a thing. As guys that follow American sports, I'm sure you yep. you know the type, the Deshaun Jackson mold yep. of if you move that fast all the time, you're always going to tweak a hamstring or a calf or something. Um, has it been worthwhile? I think there was an attempt with the signing of both him and Alex Morgan within five days of one another. By the way to try to elevate the profile of the club. And and this is not a new thing. This has been happening since Poch to the new stadium, to Mourinho, to the signing of those two. I I think the idea is that for a long time, we have been part of the big six because of where we finished in the table, but aren't really considered, you know, part, part of the Premier League royalty, if you will, partially because we haven't won the trophies, but also financially, we've been sixth in that six, basically the whole time. And I think, all of these are kind of steps to try to raise the profile so that we can either decrease that gap or actually be on level footing with the others. But Liverpool and Manchester United have been dynasties for decades. We're not going to catch up to that kind of fan base or, or spending power uh, built the traditional way. We aren't going to catch up to the fast spending that City and Chelsea can do because of ownership. Um, so then it's really just us and Arsenal. But even they have had, obviously, way more success in the Premier League era than we have. Right. So I, I think we're trying to make up ground that arguably can't be made up. Um, I think if you looked at like a breakdown of the amount of new fans coming to the Premier League, I bet we're way higher than that sixth out of six. Um, but I think traditionally that's kind of where we're locked, <laughs> specifically onto how Bale's been playing, though. Um, he's been playing in the Europa League. He's been playing in the cup matches. He can score goals. I, I Genuinely, if I had my druthers, he just wouldn't be classified as a winger anymore. If we're just not going to play Vinicius in, in those matches or bring him on as a substitute for some reason, Bale should be the supplement to Kane or playing up front with him. He can still head the ball. He can still score close to the goal. He can still score from distance. He's had a couple of free kicks that were absolutely just thunder smacked the way that he, he did against, ooh, was it Lille or Lyon in the Europa League before he left us? I don't remember. And he scored those two uh, free kicks in the same goal or in, in the same game, rather. So I still think he can contribute. I still think he can hit that uh, five games where he changes results from losses to draws or draws to wins. He just has to get the minutes. I think the the issue is that Lucas is so rampant everywhere, for better or worse, just, just his feet move faster than his brain can think, that he can cause the kind of chaos both in attack and defense to kind of supplement a Mourinho side. Bergvine, still young, still trying to impress, pacey, will also help cover that entire left flank when that's where he plays. Gareth Bale is going to play basically from the halfway line to about the penalty area, not even really past it. Like that's about all he's got. And then he's going to cut in on his left, especially if we're playing him on the right. So he's very tactically limited. I think that a good Mourinho change now would just say that instead of it being Kane and Son up front, it's Kane, Son, and Bale. And all three of them only ever attack and everybody else defends. That feels very Mourinho-y, and I don't know why we haven't seen that yet. I think that's how we get the best out of Bale. Thus far, it has not been a success, granted. 
I still think there's a way for us to turn it around. And I still think he has the talent to turn it around. We just can't ask him to do the, I'm a 23-year-old and I'll cover an entire flank thing anymore because he's over 30. And he's that's limited just not to what he can offer you. Get it in spurts is what you're basically saying. Yep. Get in, play, play to his strengths at this point of his career. Yeah, and why we don't use him as a sub more often blows my mind. How many times why not, right? we've been in the 75th minute or later and wound up still getting three or four more set pieces when he's the only person in our entire squad that's semi-capable of taking them? It, it just seems like a, a real missed opportunity. And, and yeah, uh, when, we, when he was signed, somebody asked me if I thought he was now going to be the superstar at Tottenham. And I was like, no, he's battling for third between Kane and Son. But that doesn't mean he can't be valuable. But yeah, his his usage has not been good thus far. And if we use him as a set-piece specialist, as a heading specialist, he can be on either side of those dead ball situations, by the way. He's still 6'2 and can still jump out of the gym. That's a very American term. Sorry for those that have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, uh, Yeah, there's still a way to get the best out of him. There's still a way to make this loan worth it. Uh, And just in case people on this uh, show and fan base aren't aware, the, the option for the second year isn't to buy. The option for the second year is to renew the loan at the same terms of oh. this season. So at no point are we going to be out all of that money. The wages, obviously, we're still paying him close to what Kane and Son get. And that's a third of his wages. We're still paying almost 60% of his wages. But, um, yeah, the, the for financial outlay to on-pitch performance, not worth it. But I still think it could be come the end of the year. If he does impact those four to five results, and that's what puts us in the top four versus not, or if that's what keeps us in the title race versus not, then it's worth it. Okay, very good stuff. Great stuff there, Giannis. All right, let's switch. You know, it's funny. I was going to ask you about the last match, but we kind of touched on it a little bit. So I'm going to go here first, and I'm going to actually Mm -hmm. share a comment from a friend of mine. Giannis, who happens to be a Patriots fan, but he listens, watches all. <laughs> okay, I'm going to mention that. And he happens to be a Liverpool supporter. Mm-hmm. So this is for you, Kevin. What is Kevin's opinion on Spurs hiring Jose Mourinho to start off? And then we're going to talk about Mourinho. Mm-hmm. Hated it. Like the username, though, because I just watched all of the Mandalorian and it was super fuego. Um, <laughs> I really, really hated the Mourinho hiring, um, both because he's been a villain for us for so long. Obviously, at Chelsea twice, then at United while we were both challenging for top four at that time. Um, won a Europa League, and, and uh, Davinson Sanchez defended well enough that it tricked us into spending all the money on him instead of delete because uh, our scouting department is uh, colorblind, which societally is good, but scouting-wise, maybe not so much. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 Mourinho is the antithesis of everything Tottenham, both good and bad. Obviously, the That's style why I was surprised by all. I was surprised by the decision. Yeah, well, okay, let's zoom out for one second and realize that that he had turned down Daniel Levy twice before. And I think this was absolutely that like high school girl that you almost dated. And then you meet each other at 35, both after a tough divorce. And you're like, "Eh, we'll give it a shot. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think that's 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 really I like that. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I hate it. He's he's defensive. He's pragmatic. He's stubborn. He he gets under the skin of both the fan base, of opposing fan bases, of the media. He's 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 the classic antihero. He's he's your Vegeta or your Zuko uh, for those <laughs> like things more on the animated show side. Um, uh, but it, it it just was awkward. I mean, Jose Mourinho was genuinely like the father of our footballing family. Sorry, uh, Mauricio Pochettino was. Okay. Pochettino was. And so his leaving, while inevitable and needed at that time, hurt a lot. And for it to be Mourinho taking his place had some real you're not my real dad vibes. 
I think both within the squad and as a fan base. Um, and it started well that first month or so. Deli Ali was the star man, by the way, in that first month. Had scored that incredible overhead goal against uh, Manchester United. Um, we scored like five against Burnley. The first two matches, I think, were West Ham, and I forget the other one, but both of them were like 3-2, 4-2, something like that. So he was like, I have the flair. We can do all that. But we kept conceding like goals. And he was like, well, we're not going to do that anymore because he's an idiot and doesn't know what Tottenham Hotspur's history is like. Um, so... <laughs> He's, he's developed the squad now. He's had his two transfer windows, Bergvine in January. He needed a striker in January, but the idea with Sandy Bergvine was, okay, now Sun's up front, and now we finally have somebody that can replace Sun when he has to do that or when he's hurt, which doesn't happen often, knock on wood. Um, but then he's had the summer, brought in all of those players. A lot of them haven't, haven't made a huge impact, as I said before. So now th- this is his team. And as Giannis was mentioning earlier, the tactics are his too. He has set us up defensively. He can ask us to play in an attacking way, but the setup is defensive. So trying to to switch just because we've conceded a late goal is is difficult. We've largely done it. We've looked good in those final stages, but we haven't scored in any of them, if memory serves. So the, the hiring of Mourinho was something I did not like. I see the point of it. The point is, this is an expiring squad. We had all of these players, Hugo, Jan... Toby, Kane, Son, Erickson, Delhi. Obviously, Erickson gone. Delhi might be on the way out. But but the idea was we have this hyper-talented squad, and we didn't have to pay for it. Kane and Son cost a grand total of $5 million in the transfer market, right? We are not going to have – it's, it's like a quarterback on a rookie contract. It's like right. the way to try to succeed, right? We're not going to have this again. So they were like, bring in Jose Mourinho. We have the talent already. Turn this talent into winners before this window closes. So, and so, he has two years to do right. it. Right, and – we know Mourinho's history. It's a small window. It's a few years. Yep. So I can see yep. I can see the reasoning behind it. But again, when I heard this, when I saw this, I'm like, this is the antithesis of what Spurs are. And I think and that's probably – Yeah, right. Still, when we win, we tolerate it. And when we don't win, we're like, what's the point of playing like this if we're going to lose anyway? We're used to losing. We're still Tottenham Hotspur. We can deal with losing. An exciting 4-3 loss, we'll live with that. A, a boring 2-1 or 1-0 that we lose or a 1-1 draw that was a win five minutes from full time is, is yeah. just something that's very, very hard to accept as a Tottenham fan. And you'll see it. After every match that we lose like this, all of a sudden Twitter just blows up because we're, it's, a, it's a tenuous acceptance of him as our manager. And anytime it doesn't go right, it, people get real mad real fast. Well, Kevin, I just want to mention this. I was... Uh... On, I guess you could say, I recorded something for the last word on Spurs, and I mm. w- listened back to their episode today. And I got to tell you, I would say eighty percent of it was about Mourinho. It was all about Mourinho. It, it was all, about, and I could, I could hear the feelings of Mourinho, which I found fascinating. And this was a draw, and it was mostly, it seemed to me, about Mourinho, the style of play. That's why I wanted to bring this to you because yeah. that was a big part of what I was listening to. Giannis, what are your thoughts about Mourinho and Spurs and their style of play and what Kevin's been talking about? Well, we're just, we're just little, little old Fulham of the cottage, right? <laughs> so we've got enough <laughs> on our plate. I mean, we, the, the way we um, we can never afford... I mean, our, our biggest high-profile manager in the last 15 years was Roy Hodgson. And, yeah. and we, know, we know how he did with us. But, um, you know, we don't have the resources. We have, to, we have rich owners which is one thing we do have very rich owners mm. and we're building a new stand, which is going to look pretty good, but we don't have the nuance or the, 
the power, the ability to draw people like Mourinho or, or Pochettino or Pep or Klopp or right. whoever. So we really have to do everything from the ground up. Um, it's sort of funny. When I look, at, I look at Mourinho, I hear the same criticisms of Bruce at Newcastle. Um, mm. uh, that he doesn't know what he's doing. Um, let me think. Uh, but Frank Lumpard can do whatever the hell he wants. If I watched their game against Villa today, and mm. if, you, if I needed a cure, you know, for sleeping, honestly, watch these brothers. I mean, yeah. just awful. And, there's a, and, and it's like, um, be careful what you wish for. Like, for example, the Slavin Bilic at West Brom. Right. You know, poor start of the season, I understand. They get, they get Sam Allardyce in the first half yesterday against Liverpool was as poor a first half as you will ever see on a football field. I mean, mm. there's parking buses and there's parking 53-foot tractor trailers. <laughs> but guess what? But, but and West Brom was, oh, it's terrible. But you didn't complain when you got the point against Liverpool. You've yeah. gone up to Anfield and got a point. So, yeah. you know, it becomes, well, do you, do you want the results? Do you want the style? The thing well, that's a good point, Giannis. Yeah. He is, it about, yeah. is it about, you know, when we talk about this with phone supporters, Kevin, I'm glad that, yeah, let's just bring this up. Is it about the result or is it about being entertained? Is it about the style of play? That's why I wanted to bring this up. Yeah, well, yeah. I'll say Pochettino had a great quote for this when he kept being criticized for having never won anything yet, which was, there are four trophies if you're a Premier League club that you can win in a season. There are four days that you can hit glory level. There are over 300 days on the footballing calendar. So is it more important to be excited by your team, believe in what they're doing, like the manager, like the players for 300 days or 296, or be able to lift a trophy on one of the four? And it's a defense made by somebody that hasn't won anything as a player or as a manager, granted. But I, I think that one of the reasons why Tottenham fans fell so hard for Pochettino was that I think we largely agree with that. It's about the feeling that you get when you're watching the the feeling that you have throughout the week oh wasn't that wasn't that 4-0 like we did every time against Stoke brilliant the way Delhi and Erickson interplayed in the final third and Kane was just lethal like that's the exciting thing currently the only thing that Tottenham have like that is the counterattack and whether or not it brings trophies it's not what we're used to it's not what we like the winning trophies i think for a club like Tottenham is basically required at this point, since it's been since 2009, since anything's happened. So I do think that both as a fan base and Daniel Levy in particular, we're like, now's the time to sacrifice. Okay. Win something. We'll get back to style of play and the ethos of Tottenham Hotspur and our history later. Now you just got to win. Now but it's I'd about say, winning. Right. Now it's right, about But winning. I'd say on the most part for me, style and flair and you know the mercurial players that used to drift in and out of Tottenham that led to the kind of huge up and down results I think is part of the excitement and the joy of the club doing the same thing every week and it working and doing the same thing every week and it not working I think is a lot less exciting or palatable as a fan okay but and this is completely opposite so we're going to the extreme opposite for you and Mm -hmm. that's what's fascinating for me watching Spurs and watching the match Again, I, I was going to talk a little bit, about. I'll, I'll just mention briefly, the last match, it just did not seem like the Spurs I know. And yeah. that's what was interesting about it, and that's why I'm glad we're talking about it, because it is completely different. But one thing isn't different, and it's some of your key players. And I want to mm. want to talk about these two players, and I want to bring Giannis in, because uh, I want to focus on key players for this match, and these two players I, I, have, I have to start. So, Giannis, I'll bring you in in a second, but I, I want to talk about from a – perspective from you, Kevin. How do you contain Kane and Son? Because they are that good. 
But under this new system or style of play, how different are they? Foul them. We just saw it with Wolves yesterday. Every counterattack, they were getting bundled over, and Dombele was getting bundled over in midfield. Do light ones. Don't get your yellow cards, but just foul them. If we're only going to have three players that are attacking, get in their way, legally or illegally, and just stop them from being able to do it. Every time Kane got the ball with his back turned, which we've seen so many times this season, he doesn't even look. He just kicks it up, and he's like, son's probably faster than your center back. Um, and then he just expects Son will get on the end of it. They'd step in front of him. They'd step on the ball. They'd step on him. They'd just do anything to kind of prevent that. And until we show a competent, sustained attack outside of us chasing a match, I think you just you just you can stop the counterattack by physically stopping the counterattack. I, I think that's the way you probably have to do it. I mean, other things you can try to make them shoot from range, but both of them can score from range. Yep. You can try to force them onto their weak foot, but both are almost equally footed. So I, I think a lot of the traditional things that you try to do, like try to force him onto his left, that doesn't really work with with our side. Um, try to force them wide, that doesn't really work either because one of them's either going to be in the box or we can chip or Kane loves hitting it across his body and the goalkeepers. So like some like traditional ways to decrease the quality of chances don't really work against us. Yep. Um, but you can stop it at the creation step. And since we don't have a true creator like Erickson anymore, LaCelso continues to be injured. We aren't really playing Lamella. We, we don't have that like creative player. Uh, and Dombele creatively moves. He'll beat like four people and play the simple pass. It's like if Sissoko was good. Um, but he isn't going to be really creating that many chances. I think we're bottom five right now in chances created in the Premier League. Wow. We're doing a, a real hard 15-16 Leicester vibe of just like kick it up there, maybe Sun's up there wow. the way it used to be with Vardy. And that leads to a really high expected goals because it's almost always a player versus the goalkeeper and the quality of finishing that Son and Kane have it doesn't matter who the goalkeeper is you're going to favor him you saw it in the Liverpool match against Allison. Yep. Allison was like that's Kane that's Son crap and then it was a goal it doesn't matter the quality of the goalkeeper when you have that quality of finishing obviously the the uh, advantage is on the attacking player there they have so much to aim at but yeah I'd say stop them in the build-up because once they get the ball in anywhere near the penalty area they're they're capable of scoring okay Giannis, your thoughts on what Kevin just shared about trying to contain Kane and Son, which are two very dangerous players. He has some very interesting thoughts on that, and then we'll get deeper into this match. Oh, it's... I mean, I've run out of superlatives for Harry Kane. Mm. He's our best passer and our best finisher. That's a a bit of a problem. He's a magnificent player. He's a magnificent player. He's he's world-class, and he's just... He's so much fun to watch and he's so hardworking and he's he's so savvy. And I thought for two, three years he shouldn't be at Tottenham. I think he's a bigger a bigger club player. But he's he's like I love the fact that he's you know, the loyalty is there. And you know, he, he could we're seeing it the similar vibes coming from Villa Park with Jack Grealish. Mm. Because Jack Grealish is you know, he's teams are knocking on the door and they want to spend money. Yeah. They really want to spend money, but these are Villa supporters, he can leave da da da. How do you stop these two buggers? I think you, I, I think Scotty's approach to the game almost has to be we've got to forget about them in the sense that we've got to do what we do best. Uh, we had the game against Leicester City early in the season. Yes. You know, you've got Tielemans and you've got Vardy, you've got Madison that can pull the strings and try as best you can to play. It's just play counter attacking football, but keep the shape right. And I look back, um, when I look back to the Villa loss at home, we, we 3 nothing. And if Tottenham had played us, then it might have been a cricket score. 
Yeah, but, I, um, I agree with that, Giannis. But we're a very different we're side. We're a very different right side now. now. Yes. And, um, Son and Kane are, you know, Starsky and Hutch, Tom and Jerry. Yep. And, um, and a lot of fun to watch. We just have to be careful in terms of where we give away free kicks. Their channel runs are magnificent, and you've really got mm. to – that's where the fullbacks are going to have a lot of work to do. Uh, particularly, I think, um, Aina's going to have to keep an eye on, on where Son, you know, nips in and out. Um, and Dombele as well. I mean, I agree with Kevin. I think it's got to be – we can't have any Stephanie Hansen. Not that he's in the line. He'll be in the line. No. Up any. Steph, Joe, you know, I'm going to kick you halfway up the, the Pennines. <laughs> but we have to be smart in terms of the things we do. And Giesen may have a – he's going to have a big role to play in this I game. Totally and Giesen and Dombele is definitely the matchup to watch in this match. Yeah, because and Giesen totally right now is playing. He's, I don't know what and Giesen, I don't know what. I don't know what he's eating right now. I don't know what <laughs> pills he's taking. Or what he had stopped eating in between coming to Fulham. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, Villarreal wanted him. He was very good. I've got a few friends, Spanish friends. He was very, very good last year. Is this the same? Yep. And it's funny because we, we spent big money on on, on Angus and big money on Seri. Yeah. And Seri has been has been beyond train, train wreck off a cliff. Yeah. Whereas Angus has just... Just flourished. And he makes everybody in the team better. His yeah. presence. He's like a big man monster in the middle of the park with a frothy looking beard saying, look at me, I'll do what I want and just feed off my energy. So um, it's going to be really interesting to see how Mourinho is going to look at this because he's, yeah. on paper he's thinking we win, we go second. And Mourinho will say all the right things. He'll say yeah, there'll be a tough side, they're well organised, they've made improvements, da-da-da. But until you play against even some of the teams at the bottom, Sheffield Giant are not mugs. Mm. Burnley will work their socks off. West Brom have to allardyce, say anything's possible. You've got us, but Brighton are a nice team. No yep. games come easy. So I, it, this would be a very interesting match for the purists and for both sets of supporters. And um, we've lost our last, I think, yeah, Ralph Leach put up our last 13 Premier League London derbies. So yep. we're overdue we a point. Yeah. It's about time we got something. Anything. I'd honestly <laughs> rather you didn't, but yeah, <laughs> mathematically. Of course, Kevin. Of course. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, coming up next, I'm going to go back to Kevin, get his thoughts on form, and then we're really going to go a little bit deeper into this match, and we'll end with our predictions for the match. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average, and those savings add up. Imagine what you could buy in the future. So I used the savings from switching to Progressive 30 years ago to buy tickets to the championship game. You know, between those two teams that didn't exist 30 years ago? Yeah, I'm a big Alaska Palm Trees fan. Which is a team now, in the future? So switch to Progressive and save big because those savings can add up in the future. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customer surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2020. Potential savings will vary. Okay, Kevin, back to you. Give me your thoughts just quickly on foam and then we'll really break down uh, this match between the three of us. Yeah, I think you've had a pretty decent uh, turnaround here. Very early on, it kind of looked like Parker might be the first one out the door of all of the managers, but then... Uh, very quickly, that didn't happen, and then nobody got sacked till mid-December anyway. So all those conversations in like September look very stupid in hindsight. Um, but uh, you had mentioned uh, on the first show that we did before the season started that we were going to see a different Fulham coming up this time, and I, I think there could be some parallels to um, Mourinho in that kind of play style of having to play pragmatically and less yep. less attractively. Past matches, Tottenham versus Fulham has been 
a, thrilling for all of the good and bad reasons. And I do not think we're going to see that this week. No. Um, <laughs> but uh, who who can concede negative one goals? Um, <laughs> well, I think it's going to be, you know, like, like you said, it's going to be very cagey. I think it's going to yeah. be because I think both teams want to counterattack. Yeah, yeah, and you're, they're going to get in each other's way in a lot of spaces, kind of uh, similar to when you see two teams trying to play 4-3-3 at each other and everybody just, like, stops moving. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, for, for Fulham in general, I think things have gone really well. I was surprised uh, at how little, in my opinion, that you improved the first team over the summer. Um, I like the Anthony Robinson signing. Yep. Obviously, keeping Angisa is something that we had talked about in the summer as well about yes. whether or not that would happen. And obviously that, that went well. Um, yes, but I thought well. there was a lot of reliance on players that had already been there, um, including bringing Reed back. <laughs> and I don't think I thought it was going to work to be honest with you. And, and I think it it is getting there for sure. I, I yep. think as we talked about on the show that you just came on, I think it's a shame that none of these draws have been wins. I think you've been, sure. you know, the better side for stretches of all of them and, and could have capitalized and, and, made them wins. As a Tottenham fan, I'd be more comfortable, to be frank with you, if one of those had been a win. Because then you like look at the point tallies, and you're like, oh, we got that win. Like this, you know, this can be a loss and it not really damage our placement in the table. But sure. I mean, right now, if you if you use the high water mark of like the traditional are there three worse teams than Fulham in terms of like will they be safe? I think there are three worse teams than Fulham. I think there are three I, worse I managers than Scott Parker. I think there are three worse squads than Fulham's. So I, I that's that's probably the most debatable of the three. But I, I I think that you'll be fine in a unsexy way. And I think before we would have expected more. We would have expected, you know, put everything on Mitro, see if he can score 10 to 15 goals to keep yep. you up. It's just not the way you're playing right now. Mitrovic no. is like top 10 in touches in the box, but only has two goals. Like that's just not what's going on. And obviously I've seen some of the headed misses. You kind of just get that when you when you pay the price of admission on Mitrovic. But the fact that it's Reed that's leading you in goals, I think is really interesting. I really liked him. Um that uh, was he at Cardiff that year they were up or Bobby Beckendover yeah, Reed is playing yeah. right wing back. He's playing yeah. right wing back. Think yeah, about yeah. it. And he's still been he's still been really impressive. A little disappointed that Onama hasn't featured. Don't know if that's an injury thing or a form thing or a shape thing. It's an injury. Um, it's gotcha. an injury. Um, obviously, as a Spurs fan, would like to would like to see him doing well. I'm sure you guys are always thinking about it. But Sessegnon doing very well in Germany right now, as we continue to. I wasn't going to bring him up. Back. I yep. was. Not, I said to myself, I'm not <laughs> bring up Brian Sessegnon to Did you. Did you know that you didn't think Tottenham was the best fit for him? I don't know if you ever mentioned that, but I'm not going. Um, to, I'm, I'm not going down that. Okay, okay we won't do it. We I'm won't do it. Going. But obviously, we the other side. Of show. That. The three of us about Ryan Session and it really upset me. So I'm not going down that rabbit hole. All right, let's not then. Let's not then. But but on the whole, yeah, I think you've done. He knows. He knows. <laughs> I think I think you've done really well. And if Onama is out because of injury, and you have him to come back, I always look at those. Who are the players that are missing out? Because if you aren't able to sustain this current run of form with the players you have, getting a player back can kind of make up for any potential future drop off. Um, I'd assume that the goals from Mitrovic are coming, not to that 10 to 15 extent, but, you know, six to eight, continuing to be a hold-up man that, that can lay the ball off to those around him. That that still has value, especially for a yeah. side like you and the way that you're currently playing. So uh, I, I'm sure a lot of people are looking at, at Mitrovic and being like, wow, he's terrible now, what happened? But I don't think they're recognizing what else he's doing on the pitch. Not to invite what I'm sure is a cursed comparison, but it's actually a lot about how I felt about Bobby Soldado when he was at Tottenham, where people were like, oh, he can't score goals in open play. And you're like, he also is leading us in chances created, setting up everything for everyone around him. Mitrovic not as creative as, as Soldado was, but 
still has a similar impact in terms of he'll he'll draw everything to him and then open up space for people around him. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think he'll be fine come the end of the year. I, I have a soft spot for Fulham. I've been to Craven Cottage, um, and, and I think I think he'll be just fine come the end of the year. And obviously, love Scotty. See, this is why I knew I had to get you back on the show. This is why. <laughs> you know, I, and I said this to you. I said, I said you're going to enjoy having Kevin on the show, and I've been proven right. Okay, we got a, a little bit over 15 minutes, so we're going to do a little rapid fire here. Mm. And Kevin, I'm going to go right back to you. Let's spend a few minutes on each topic here. Key players for Spurs against Fulham, and then I'll go to Giannis with the reverse for Fulham. Who are your key players in this matchup? Yeah, and Dombele has to be the first one because Kane and Son are like above the list. It's not even really worth talking about them at this point. Um, it's it's really all about Ndombele, and it has to be because he was pulled off again at the weekend. As soon as we pulled him off, we conceded again. Another trend in all of those matches where we pull off him, uh, West Ham, Palace, Wolves at the weekend. All of these are matches that we were winning comfortably. We took off in Dombele and all of a sudden we were way under pressure because the way the ball just sticks to him and the way he can move throughout the midfield and just evade challenges and tackles is huge to us breaking pressing teams. I know Fulham aren't as as committed to that high press as a lot of other sides, but he, he can be so, so crucial for us. And again, the point of resting him in a match that we ended up losing was so that he'd be available again two days later because he's still trying to work on his fitness, which is a little embarrassing for a football come Dece- uh, footballer come December. But considering where he was last year, still still big strides that he can play an hour now. Um, but he he has to make a big impact because you know we just lost two points because of needing him for this one. Um, defensively, I'm very curious to see what we do. Uh, I doubt we do the back three again that we did last week. Um, Davinson Sanchez and Harry Winks were part of the team that, that lost those three goals to West Ham that ended up with that being a draw. They hadn't played in the Premier League again until this week, right. and then they were part of another thrown-away lead in a draw, so I don't think you'll see either of them anytime soon. Okay. Um, so that kind of brings Toby back into frame, and you'd expect him to have a really big match. He was rested um, in, in that match against Wolves as well. So I'd really save them. And then obviously in an attacking sense, who's the third person? It's been Bergvine, it's been Lucas, it's been Lamella, it's been Bale. It hasn't been Lamella for a while because of injury. And can they do anything? Bergvine has been under underrated this season thus far. Obviously, the two misses against Liverpool, the big highlights. But he has covered a lot of issues in this team. He has creativity, he has pace, he can finish, he can set up assists, he can defend <laughs> in that winger tracking back way. But in his own way. Um so what's that third person going to do? And, and it needs to start being goals because Ndombele is now only the fourth goal scorer for Tottenham this season wow. behind Kane and Son. Um, so if, if that third person can get a goal, we probably win. If they don't, then things get get way more negotiable as to what the result and performance could look like. And and I think if you're a Fulham fan, you have to hope that we score early, honestly. Because then we'll then we'll retract and we'll stop attacking as we've done this whole time. I mean, always the case that this is the week that breaks the trend. But given what's happened lately, if I was full, I might I might just be like, yeah, there you go. Let them score in the fifth minute, and then maybe you'll get a chance. No, in the no, 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 no. I don't want to see that. I'll be honest with you. Giannis, said, we, we've seen that movie. We don't want to see that movie. We want to see. Don't want to go early. We don't. We definitely don't want to see that movie. Giannis, over to you. Let's flip it. Key players for Fulham against Spurs. Do we start with Ngisa or do you go someplace else? Who has to really shine for Fulham to get a result? Dare I say a victory against Spurs, which would be a shocking victory. But how do Fulham get a result? Who has to play well? Well, firstly, I'd like to propose a player trade between the two clubs because I think it's a good relationship. 
Okay. So I'd like to propose we pick up, we get Kane and Son for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. And we'll give you Alfie Mawson. Ooh, interesting. And Anthony Knockhart. <laughs> All right. I'm going to be and honest. Might, and we'll throw in a, a hamburger as well. Just, <laughs> just, just so there's three for two kind of thing. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, three key players. Um, Angisa, number one, because Angisa right now is playing absolute lights out, and he'll be up for this, I know. Uh, number two actually will be Anderson, because Anderson's yeah. going to need to do a good, do a yeah. good job of marshalling the back four to track the runs of Son and Kane. I think that's going to be critical. Crucial third, that you got him back after yeah, that, that absolutely. challenge. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, that was huge for us. The third one will surprise a few, but it's actually Mitra. Because mm, yeah. I think I, I'm, I'm, I believe Mitra will play. You um, do, yeah. I do, I do. And I, I, I really think that he will fancy his chances against uh, Alderweireld or, or um, Eric Dyer. I think um, less against Dyer, but definitely against Toby. When we had Toby and Jan, the big strikers are the ones they always struggled with. Joe Ellington scored like two Premier League goals, and one of them was against us. And Joe, wow. Joe Linton is, 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 oh Lord. He's, Joe Linton is like going to the supermarket and buying a pack of cookies, and they're 10 years overdue. 10 years <laughs> It's not happening for him. Not anytime soon. It's going to be a good. It's going to be a. It's going to be a very good game. The one big thing for us. The one yeah. big thing for us is the return of Mario Lamina. And Lamina, mm. was, that's huge. I'm glad that you mentioned that. Yeah. To me, would be a key player because I expect him. Does he immediately start. step into the eleven for you guys? Oh, I think so. Yes, he does. Yeah, he does. He was magnificent against Newcastle. He he ran the show, and we because he's a loney from Southampton. I think with Reed we, in there, we. Nothing against Harrison Reed. I think that Mario Lamina would have done a, a better job than better Harrison job. Reed. Yeah, we never took advantage of the fact that you know Romeo. I was saying to, to Russ before the pregame yeah. the Saints that Romeo is not recognisable uh, as a player from twelve months ago. I mm-hmm. mean, he's become such a. I mean, they lost Hoiberg obviously to, to to you guys, but you look at um, what Romeo has done. Um, yeah. And the addition of uh, the addition of Walcott and, and Walker Peters, and just the steadiness of you know Vestergaard and Bednarik at the back, Romeo really does hold. Really is the glue. And I thought against Southampton, we didn't really exploit that loss because that was that. Big I agree didn't, with you. We really didn't. Ex- we, and we needed to. I think uh, with Lamina playing in the middle with Angisa, um, it's going to be it's going to be interesting because you've got contrasting styles. And something that Tottenham fans will sort of know because he was a, a coach at their academy before, under 18, mm-hmm. before he came to Cottage's manager, uh, Parker, Scotty, is that he, um, as we've now found out, is he's an extremely intelligent manager. Mm-hmm. Very, very thought out, very deliberate. And Matt Wells comes from Tottenham too, so keep that in mind too. Yeah, I mean, it's a, he's, uh, I, I think I was so gung-ho about when we appointed him and I'm, Scott, Scotty through and through. I think he's done a superb job. This is going to be a very good match to see exactly, to gauge really where we are the growth. right now. Yeah, it's because we've got Burnley Saturday yep. and then we've got the QP Ha-Has coming up in the Cup. But mm-hmm. the, um, this will be a big match in terms of just, a, it's a litmus test in the moment in terms of... Yeah, I, I agree with that, yes. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Okay, let's go on. Back to you, Kevin. Let's get to it. How yeah, does I'm being very terrible at this quick topic thing. <laughs> what? Is that I'm being very terrible at these, this uh, hot take, quick quick fire stuff. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> I used to be a long-form journalist and it shows. Um, now, who's first win this match? Um, 
I, I think I already said it. It's it's what does the third attacker do? Yep. If because Kane or Son is probably going to score. Just odds are, if there are people <laughs> listening that are betting fans, you know the odds are probably terrible on it. But you can probably count on on Kane and Son scoring. So okay. who's that third player, and do they score a goal? If we score two, I don't think that you score two or three to get the draw or the win. So and it's been the exact same thing the last four matches now. Well, I guess Lester. We oh no, Lester two would have been a draw as well. So it's really just. Is there a second goal for us? And who's going to provide it? Kane and Son, you know, we've seen it like the Southampton match where we were down 1-0 and then scored like five unanswered for no reason just because this season is ridiculous. They're capable of that, but the contribution has to come from elsewhere. I, I am willing to put anything down that if Kane and Son score just one of the goals and somebody else scores a second, that we win. Okay. If Kane scores two, if Son scores two, you know, maybe it's maybe it's debatable. But if, if a different player is able to contribute and they contribute, because obviously this this Wolves match and don't play, but then nothing from Kane and Son. If Kane and Son score one and somebody else scores one, I think we win. Okay, very good. All right. Giannis, over to you. How does Fulham win this match? Before I go to you, I'm going to share this because Kevin brought up, well, it might not be too bad if uh, we score first. No, 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 Kevin. <laughs> Fulham have to score first. And if Fulham do score first, they are extremely difficult to beat. Breakdown. You might get a result, but f- to beat them, the history is on our side, Giannis. So I know it's simplistic to say score first, but especially in this match, score first. And, you know, again, I think Fulham can actually get a result if they get the first goal. But in your mind, tactically, how does Fulham win this match? Well, look at the results. Arsenal we conceded first 10, Palace first 10, Villa first 10, City first 10. Um, I I think what we try and do is we go first 10, 15 minutes and not concede. I think it's one of those games where Mourinho looks at it and says, okay, and it's, it's, and it's you know, the media will do this well. It's, you know, Tottenham are playing lowly Fulham, <laughs> bottom of the table Fulham. So Mourinho will look at this and go, well, this should be a fairly straightforward three points. Keep our shape and not deviate from that. We cannot do what Arsenal did. What Arsenal did, I thought, was and where Arteta could have been fired after that game, really, mm. for the, the way he naively set his team up to think that they weren't going to get smashed on the break in the first yeah. half, and they were. And by that time, halftime, it's over. You're not beating Spurs. The 2 nothing up, it's done. That's it. Done. Because yeah. we'll concede the one, maybe, but, but not two. Maybe the one, but not the, not the two. And, and, and I thought Arsenal's setup was so naive, it was, it was comical. We won't be set up like that. And Scotty will say, look, let that first 10, 15 minutes, we've got to give it time. We've got to, they're going to ask questions of us, but we've got to get them to revert to plan B. What does that look like? And we've got to look at how are we going to utilize the fullbacks in terms of trying to stretch the field? In that sense, I think Tottenham are very much like Chelsea. I think you've got to try and, I think the, the real danger from Chelsea can always come down the middle. If you pull them wide, I think that's where they become a lot less uh, potent. And I think mm-hmm. really what we're going to try and do is try and get it to a point where really Aina and Robinson become the key focal points in terms of defensive shape. Okay. And if we do that, I think I think we stand a chance. But again, we're going to have to be very disciplined because they are the sort of side that they can hit you. Just like that. I like totally that. agree. I've seen it too many like times. That. Yeah. Yeah, and, just like you that. know, again, this is has to be a mistake-free match, and that's difficult to do because, as Kevin has already talked about, how crazy good they are on the break, and it could really just cause damage. And uh, I think Anderson's going to be keep going back to what you guys were talking about before what you mentioned, Giannis. So I, I hear what you're saying. Okay, 
Kevin, back over to you. Give me yeah. your starting 11 and then your prediction, and then I'll go to Giannis. Ooh, starting 11. Oh, I didn't think about this or who played last week. Okay, we'll try. I should have given you prep time on this. <laughs> you're fine. You're fine. Um, ooh, do we roll out Dowdy again? No. Okay. Uh, Lloris, Aurier, Toby, Dyer, Regulon, because he was taken off early, so he has the legs. Hoybier, Sissoko, and Dombele, which is a pretty defensive midfield three, but... I don't think Lissalso is going to be back fit yet, and Deli Ali must have killed Mourinho's mother or something. Uh, then uh, Kane, Son, and third person. I keep, I keep just saying third person to get away from this question. Um, it could be Winks and be a diamond with Kane and Son up top, or it'll be one of the wingers, Bergvine, Lamella, Lucas, Bale. My guess if he's fit and doesn't have COVID, because I have suspicions that all of the London Brazilian players hung out together the same way Sandro used to with uh, the old uh, Chelsea contingent. I do not think it's uh, surprising that Gabriel, Willian, and David Luiz, all the same week that Vinicius and Lucas missed out on the Tottenham squad. I would not be surprised if there was some sort of Brazilian Christmas thing in North London and now all of them um, got COVID. Because three of them have it confirmed. Just none right. of the ones on the Tottenham side. So I and the players, just like in the NFL, have to condone to their information being put out there that they're the ones that have it. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. If Lucas doesn't have COVID and didn't have a huge Brazilian Christmas party that I'm guessing with literally zero evidence, then I think it's Lucas. <laughs> if that scenario did happen, it might be Lamella. Mourinho loves his bastardry, and without Delhi and with Erickson gone. He's probably the best creator we have outside of Kane, which is just absurd that our best striker is also our best creative midfielder. But <laughs> there you are. That's the state of things at the moment. So I'd go Lamella. Don't be surprised if it's Bergvine or Lucas if he didn't have a Brazilian COVID party uh, okay. TM. And what's your prediction? Oh, man, there's so many question marks. And, and I think what I hate about this, especially because uh, I think Giannis is right. I think people look at it as, title contending Tottenham versus relegation contending yeah. Fulham is that you guys are the ones trending up. We're the ones trending down. And I always hate being in that situation coming into a match because we need a win. And you guys probably feel like you deserve a win after all these draws you've been getting. So it, it's, I, I don't like the game script going into it. Uh, well, Kevin, I don't yet. think Fulham are going to fear you. And I don't think they should. No, I don't think you should either. Um, which, you know, the funny thing about that is that you'll either immediately fear us and be like, oh crap, we could have feared them. Or you'll win and be like, oh, that was – why would we have ever worried about that? Um, but I, I'll go 2-1. I'll say we get the okay. second goal at some point. Um, but I, th- I think you score. We've just been so susceptible, especially in the air. You mentioned Mitro before. He'll, he'll just cause all kinds of problems for Toby. Um, I don't think he's on pens for you anymore. Um, but I'll, I'll say he gets a goal somewhere. A headed goal from a set piece seems uh, the flavor of the month. So uh, okay. I'll go with that for you and then – I don't know. I don't know if we'll score in this hypothetical. I don't know if we'd score that second goal before you get yours at all or or at the end, but probably the former. I'd say we're probably up 2-0. You score uh, 70th minute, and then we're just really nervous the whole rest of the match because we know how, how tenuous that one goal lead can be. Okay, very good. All right, Giannis, over to you. I'm looking forward to your starting 11 and your prediction. Okay, uh, starting lineup will be as follows, I think. It'll be Ariola in that. Uh, you'll have Aina, Anderson, Adebayor, um, and Robinson. And then uh, I think in the midfield, you will have uh, Zambo, Angisa, Lamina. And I'm going to say Kearney. Wow. Ooh. 
And uh, up front, um, I will go with Lookman, mm-hmm. Dover Reed, and Mitrovic. Um, so you're going to go with like a four-three-three? Yes, I would. I, I, I um, uh, right or, now, or I mean, like a four-two-three-one or something. Four-two-three-one. I, I, I like. I mean, Reed and, and Lookman. You can't take them out. Anderson and Adder. By the way, Kevin, um, Adder Adder Bio has been the Tony Khan should be arrested um, for the ab- abject theft of stealing <laughs> Adder Bio from Man City. How much was it? Two million. I don't think it was even that absolutely ridiculous. What mm. what on earth was that about? And, also, I criticize you some of our stuff, but you also got in Lookman, which was great, great dealing. So I don't know what the hell I was talking about. Uh, yeah, Lookman was um, – I just now recovered from Lookman's penenka against West Ham. It took me a while. <laughs> I had to get therapy. Um, yeah, Anderson, Anderson has been brilliant. Yeah. Um, Loftus-Cheek wouldn't be part of my 11, and, and I really like – I think he's just – he's had so many problems with injuries, and I mm. – and I'm willing him to do well, but but you've got to f- play your strongest eleven against the Tottenham side that can g- give you different problems in different ways. I think this Fulham team will ask questions if we maintain our discipline. And the one that, that not p- many people are talking about but have to is our goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Ariola has been absolute lights out this year for us. Um, and no question about it. He is, you know, he brings a credibility. He gives you confidence, to be honest. Oh, he's he's. I mean, he's a World Cup winner with France. He has not conceded a goal uh, at twenty five year twenty five yards or beyond. He's safe as houses in the, in in dealing with crosses. He's very quiet with his back four, but he does command his box. He's been brilliant, and he's the best keeper we've had since Van der Sar, I, I believe. And he's it's it's a. I mean, we have now con- we've conceded eighteen goals in fifteen. Um, no, no, sorry, twenty, sorry, twenty-three in fifteen. But um, I'd have, ta- I'd, I'd have taken that. I mean, when Leeds stumped four past us, Arsenal knocked three, and Villa knocked three. And he wasn't there the first what three matches? Um, let's go. Uh, but I don't we, remember. I know Rodak started at least yeah, one match, right? God, those are the days. What, Kevin, to put the way, the, the final that started against Brent Fodder at Wembley, um, that back five, uh, none of them are there because you none have Jack, Adoy, Hector, Reem, and Joe Bryan scored the two goals. Yep. None of them are there. And, uh, of course, Anguisa wasn't there. Uh, so it's completely... But, but again... Um, yeah, Lamina or Lookman. Lamina or Lookman. Yeah. And Lamina's... You know, Lamina was considered to be a hit and miss. But again, it's Newcastle. And, but of course, well, he was unbelievable. Oh, Newcastle, can please? Can somebody just? Can somebody just send them somewhere? Newcastle, just anywhere. Send them to the Scottish Premier League. I mean, more ungrateful fan base. And Steve Bruce has done a very good job there. But and look at the owner they got there, and just and they're boring as hell. And it was a game we really, Kevin, should have won. We should have won that. We really should have won that game. Uh, but this will be a good game, and and yep. Tottenham have quality. So I'm looking forward. It'll be a good contest for sure. So I'm going to predict. Okay. I'm predicting, unbelievably, another draw. Oh, going for one and one. neither fan base wants that. Fifth of the yeah, and I've been fairly, fairly not off the. Off okay, the chart what's and, your prediction? Please tell me not nil nil. I think it's a nil nil. Oh, I think it's a nil nil. I think it's. I think it's gonna. We're gonna cancel them out. I think defensively, okay. 
we're going to do a good job. And, and I'm, I'm hoping that Aurier plays for them because if Aurier plays for them, we might get a penalty. But then again, if we get a penalty, who bloody will take it? Take I don't. it. Who's going to take it? Okay. <laughs> I'll give uh, okay. Okay. I'm actually going to agree with Giannis, but I'm not going for nil nil. I'm not doing that. I'm going one, one, I'm going to go one, one, but you know, and again, I could see why, obviously, Kevin, you're predicting a Tottenham victory. I think it should be, but, I mean, from a form of – Yeah, you, you have run. to. We've been on four without a win. Yeah, you have to. You have to, absolutely. But for me, honestly, as watching Fulham, nothing will surprise me if – you know, it wouldn't surprise me. It would shock me to win, but to get a draw, that wouldn't surprise me because they are capable of getting a point even – at your place, they are capable. So and we're capable I'll, of giving away a point <laughs> at any point. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, great show, fantastic show, Kevin. Before we go, one last time, just tell everyone how they can listen to your wonderful podcast that I've been a part of, even though I was crap on the last episode. You were really genuinely fine. Um, okay. You can find me on Twitter at Kevroff. Uh, you can find the show at EPL Roundtable, and you can just search EPL Roundtable on all of your podcasting services. Okay. Giannis, I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, I've just, I just uh, followed Kev in the EPL roundtable. Absolutely. Um, it is, um, it's good to meet. It's refreshing to meet fans of other teams who are as critical <laughs> of their teams <laughs> as we can be of ours. And it is. Oh, we're very, we can be very critical. Yeah. We can, we, oh, it's, it's, I'm, shall I mention Floyd Aite? Of course. Oh, <laughs> okay. Okay. Enough. I thought we, I thought we could go throughout the show without you mentioning Floyd Aite. I mentioned Sosignan and Aite. All the bells, all the shots oh. are being taken. The only one I'm missing, Kevin, is, of course, everybody's favorite. And that's, um, you know, Philippe Senderhorse. Sorry. Oh, Oh, he's going through the history now. Okay. All right. Well, that just tells me we need to wrap up this show. For my special guest, Kevin DeVries and Yashines, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for watching and listening to Cottage Talk. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. And all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping. And you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants. 18 plus. Serving times. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.